0: It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Merseyside Derby this, Merseyside Derby that, when's someone going to talk about Fulham versus Swansea that's what I want to know, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen it's Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey top of the tower here at 6 o'clock for you on City Talk 105.9 obviously going to look at the Merseyside Derby obviously going to talk about this, that and the other and obviously going to s- tell you what that does to the league table, uh, mildly disappointed with Spurs this weekend Dave, they've allowed Newcastle to break the top 8, don't think that, sh- that should be stood for in their 6-0 defeat but before we get on to all that in part 3 we'll talk about Liverpool in part 2, but we'll talk about Everton in part one, Dave. We will talk about the Blues and how basically Everton got the most creditable po- points it is possible to get in a Merseyside derby. Yeah, it was
1: unbelievable, wasn't it? I, I'm normally breathless and trying to get up here on time, but I'm still trying to catch my breath after the, the end of that game. It was, uh, it was frantic stuff. And, you know, I've tried my best to feel sort of hard done by that we only got a point out of the game but there's so many different things that happened in it that you, you, you I think you've got to hold your hands up and say a, a point was a fair result in the end
0: I think a point is a fair result I thought it was it had huge amounts of back and forth I did think we were going to get the winner if I'm absolutely honest yeah, I,
1: did. Oh, I did I did. As soon, as soon as Sturridge scored well as soon as Lukaku scored the third I thought we've scored too early yeah. this this doesn't go smoothly from now we've
0: scored on. too early is exactly the sort of
1: nonsense that football supporters say yeah. all the time I said that after we scored the opener we've yeah. scored too early <laughs> and you know what really Silly thing about it was, it, it we failed to do something that I thought this side of the to do quite quickly under Martinez, and that is see a game off. I, all right, yeah, it's a messy side derby. Allowances can be made, but I just think it was it looked far too easy for us to drop back to the edge of our own. Is that, is that in part because Barry was back at left back? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think he, he, he certainly would have pushed the line, certainly a lot higher up the pitch. But I, I, I still think there was some elements he missed, I mean, the defending in general was laughable. There was no defending. Um, I think Alan. Hansen put it on match of the day. But to drop that deep, I think it's really naive and really amateur, amateurish to drop that deep when you've gone 3-2 up in a game when all season long when you've gone 1-0 up in a game or you're leading by one with a few minutes to go you've generally seen it out quite confidently so it was disappointing to see that happen just because it was a Merseyside derby I still yeah, think I
0: don't, I don't think it was just because it was a Merseyside derby I don't think you actually given Liverpool enough credit there I think what's one of the things that's most interesting about the game is the way in which the game panned out I thought Everton were the better side first half on the whole mm. uh, I thought they were, they were more impressive than Liverpool but but it was very much people taking turns to be on top So for the, for the after it goes 1-1, for the following 15-20 minutes, Everton are very much on top, and then Liverpool come into the half more and more. And as the half ends, Liverpool are the better mm. side. Second half though, with it being 2-1, Everton came out, and, you know, between effectively until they did equalise, Everton were on the front foot. They were the better side. Liverpool couldn't get a grip anywhere near as much as they might have liked. But then as soon as Everton went 3-2 up, Liverpool rested the initiative back, mm. as if to say, "We've got we, we." And they were trying to do that when it was a 2-2 as well. And I think that that just sort of told. I think Everton put so much into the game up by that point, you know, it, I think it told, and Liverpool still had a little bit more in the tank, because they'd been in a little bit more of a shell, and then suddenly they were able to grab it back,
1: I don't think it was um, giving up the initiative mm. as much as Liverpool sees it. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that is fair, because, you know, Liverpool had a lot more left in the tank. I think Everton give it absolutely everything. When they went both 2-1 down, coming out after half-time, I I was scared that it was going to stay the way it was. I thought Liverpool, to the credit, I thought Liverpool would go into the shell even more. Uh, Coming out in the second half, when you were 2-1 up, I thought 10 men behind the ball would have been the sensible option. Um, Joe Joe Allen's miss is sort of an event in its own right in the game because if that goes in it very much is game over so you know from that point of view going back to what I said you, you can't be displeased with a point when you see a player a professional footballer miss a chance like that so um, as far as the way Everton played throughout the game I was really really impressed it was a, it was a completely different Merseyside derby it was one I hope that set a precedent for the years to come um, remains to be seen what we do when we go to Anfield but I really I still can't believe he started Barkley. I'm so thankful he did. But it, I think it took immense courage, more more than he's probably given credit for for starting him.
0: Well, the player very much didn't let him down. The player no. was excellent, I thought. Oh, I yeah. thought it was, it was quite the performance from Barkley first. Again, I thought Barkley, <clears throat> he came deeper, but I think anyway... He, his legs were going. He was tiring a little bit. He is, you know, he's a younger lad, and he's very much. I'm sure there's a lot of emotional energy in there as well. But you know, the first half there, up until about the hour mark, he, he did look like. I think the comparison uh, Rob Gutman used on the Anfield Rap, which I liked, was he looked like a young Paul Gascoigne. Mm. It's not. Everyone keeps going Gerard. Gerard. It's actually not like, not not that much like Gerard. Gerard wasn't that sort of player at the age of 19. He became a player who's that sort of player mm. later in his career. Whereas you know Barclays very much. You know, he's, he's strong, but he's also got a lovely bit of silk about him. He, I I was very impressed with him across the. Board. I thought his, his demeanour was excellent. I thought he played the game sensibly. I thought he had his head switched on and he knew what he was capable of. He seems to have a real awareness as to where he is on the pitch.
1: Yeah, he is. It, it, the youthful exuberance that he the exerts, you know, that's transforming into slightly more maturity now. And I think as, as the season's gone on, I mean, he's, I think he's played featured in every game, mm. albeit that he hasn't started all of them, but even when he's coming on we're seeing more maturity from him. He was very you know, full of hot air when he first burst onto the scene. Uh, He was left out a lot by Moyes, which which was detrimental to his progression, as we're seeing now, because he's only coming to the fore. in, in terms of how he, how Martinez deploys him, it really interests me because he he very much can press high as well as drop deeper, into a deeper role and I think as he grows and matures even more you'll, you'll see more composed performances from him rather than the little bits where that he does get it wrong, the little bits where he's blasting a shot at me I heard Sanghi and, and Loi talking about it, it's just that composure, that tiny little bit of nous when he's in and around the 18 yard box that he lacks and you know, the game, I actually watched England, him against Germany when he came on. And, um... The, the times when he gets in some fantastic positions on the edge of the 18-yard box, on the edge of the D, where you think put your foot through it and he'll try something elaborate and lose the ball, obviously that's going to change with age, but that is the one little key area that I think that he needs to improve on, I think, that's but, all
0: I think, I, I think you know, he, he's all but very much there, another player who's all, all but very much there is Lukaku, you know, another, that was an excellent performance from him, very much luck to play on Daniel Iger like I thought, luck to play mm. that side, shift that side and put I got under pressure, well and truly that was the game plan all along, I think, and it's didn't work as well first half. As I did thought I could cope quite well with him initially. First half, I thought I could have had a decent game yeah. against him. Second half, though, it was... Um, it, 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 Liverpool struggled to cope with Lukaku because he was very much winning that battle.
1: The the, the difficult thing with, with a player like him, and I, th- I think it's sort of... It's ingrained in the style of English football now is when you play one up front like you do with him, it's so easy for him to become isolated. I think it's so easy to forget about, particularly in a game like this where... The midfield battle was pretty much everything, or you presume it's pretty much everything. Then it's hard to get men up and support him. That's where I've been disappointed in Morales this season as a whole. Um, I actually think Morales had one of his better games, even though he should have, shouldn't have been on the pitch. But that's a different issue. Um, I think that is going to be a responsibility of Barkley because the one game where they really turned it on against Newcastle, they were absolutely fantastic for 45 minutes. Um, Lukaku, in, in general, other than the two goals, I don't, I don't think he he, he was fired on all on all cylinders he missed a couple of really good chances and I've heard everyone talking about how good Mignoli was for Liverpool I still think that
0: the the you should be, the, 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 the save you should be going making in the back of the net. Yeah. uh, Delafo, uh Delafo's one is a bad miss. Literally, yeah. I mean the goalkeeper does brilliantly, mm. but it's a bad miss. I mean he's got all the room in the world to just dink it over him yeah. or him or anything there because he's he's effectively 18 yards out by that point. Yeah.
1: He I, I, could have took it on even a couple of more yards as well. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a real real soft touch from him, but having a goalkeeper like that, you know, it it instills confidence into the side as well, you know when you make saves like that. You know the rest of the team are lifted when things like that happen. It was a very very strange game, Neil, wasn't it? Because you know you look at Liverpool go two one up, and I'm all all I'm hearing commentary is uh, they haven't had a shot on target apart from the two goals, and I'm thinking this is very not a Merseyside side derby. You know momentum normally pays. You don't necessarily see sides taking the lead. You know from uh, the run, run against the play. So it, it was it was just a, such a weird game. And every time I watch it, I still think oh, we should have hung on there. But then I think hang on, we could have been out of sight. It was just, it was just crazy. Yeah. I thought it was it, it was an excellent game. The player I was most
0: the Everton player I thought I was most
1: disappointed by, considering the space
0: that he actually had to work in. I thought that Pina doesn't look doesn't look the player he looked two years ago to me. Doesn't mm. look to be able to quite. And it's an odd thing because you'd have thought the way which Martinez <coughs> wants to play would suit would suit Stephen Pina down to the ground, but he didn't look as though we. I mean, it, it's one game, I, and yeah. I know, but he didn't look as though we could get into the game. And I don't think he's impressed generally speaking so far. It's 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 odd. I
1: think mm. he looks to me like a Martinez player. It's a very fair assessment, I think, because I mean he, he's the he's the other side. Of 30 now as well, um, which which doesn't help, but I mean he was injured for a while I, I struggle to see it sort of a square peg in a round hole for me because he's still playing in that role in front of Baines. Their partnership hasn't flourished as it has in previous years. No, I thought years.
0: Coleman was impressive.
1: I thought Coleman and Morales
0: yeah. were impressive. And I thought that Baines obviously gets the injury quite early on in the game. So it's, it's perhaps a, a little yeah. unfair. But Baines gets his injury and uh Pinar just can't quite get himself in.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's right. And it's it sort of epitomised this season. And I put a shout on Twitter after it. You know, who who's the player you'd like Dale La to come in and start for? Because I certainly think he'll be pushing for the start against Stoke this weekend. I think that's a perfect game for him to come in and make his, his Premier League debut from the start. So, and Pena was the overwhelming majority. He said he should come in for him. Um, it, he's been great for us, Stephen Pena, but it has been a while since we've seen a good 90 from him. Yeah, and I, I don't know if he's got 90 in him. At the moment, so certainly I wouldn't. I wouldn't say any more, but certainly at the moment, particularly in a game like that,
0: I think. I think he's slightly. I think he may need to come inside. I think he's thirty-one mm. now. I wonder if he needs to come and play centrally. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's in the middle of a four-two-three-one in, in the three, or even if it's just playing next to a, a more traditional holder. And the way in which Arteta moved inside for, at the back end of his career at Everton, and then went on to play there at, at Arsenal, you know, it seems to me like he's not. He's not quite got that spark that you mm. need in wide areas. He doesn't look as comfortable cutting inside as Morales does. He doesn't look. He's never looked like the sort of player who goes on the outside. You mm. see, he, he seems to, and this could just again be be a factor of his age. He seems to be a player that's somewhat outgrowing his position. If you sort of see what yeah. I mean, without without growing enough to demand another one.
1: Yeah, I think well, he's never been blessed with blistering pace, but he he was quick. Don't really see that from him anymore. But he's more than capable of playing it, an, and and an orthodox ten role. I I definitely see him playing that role. Um, what what that means for the for Ross Barkley is a different matter. But well, at the moment, you wouldn't move Barkley for exactly
0: Pina. You just drop peanut But it, it, you know, looking looking later into the season, yeah, going to be three games a week coming up and all that sort of stuff. It might be an option for the manager.
1: Definitely, and, and I think he's more than capable of playing that role. I do. I think he's he's got the trickery. He's got fast feet. He can, he can play a pass. You know, we've seen it before from him, left or right. And we, we drew four all with Man United the, the other year at Old yes. Trafford, and he played inside then, and he was phenomenal that day. So I certainly think there's scope for him to do that. The, yeah, the manager
0: himself. I'm, 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 I think he's an admirable man. I was growing sick of his index finger uh, as that game was wearing on. Uh, stop waving that around you, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that sort of stuff. But it was, um, you know, it's, it's, it's. It was a quite a a joyous approach, really. I I was arguing with someone earlier on Twitter who made a series of valid points that you can, you know, you you don't necessarily have to endorse these tactics. That it it did feel from both managers, it perhaps, you know, you can argue it got a little bit out of hand Mm. uh, in terms of the fact that they were so, so, so bullish. But it's. Admirable from the point of view of the fact that it was quite clear that at 2-2 both managers wanted to win the game and Martin is very much committed to that, didn't he? I think he was he was desperate, absolutely desperate for all three points. It, it feels a little bit like a manager for whom the shackles have come off. Definitely. I think, you know, being Wigan manager you're constantly concerned about the fact that you could get relegated and indeed they finally did. Now, with the start that Everton have had... It looked to me as though, you know, in Martinez's head, it wasn't a point of decent result, it reverses some some momentum, it reverses a slide, it keeps us et cetera, et cetera. It's it really doesn't matter. That much, if you see what I mean. There's little mm. difference for him now between one and what th- between between one and zero, and there's huge difference between three and one and zero. If you see what I yeah. mean, and that was that was his approach. I think it's quite. It must be interesting for him not to be thinking. Well, the points always all right here because effectively, if I get 38 of them, we stay
1: up. Yeah, uh, I do. I think he he's, he relishes that as well. I think, you know. And, he's got a history of turning down high profile jobs I'm not going to go into the Liverpool one but Villa for instance he turned down Villa earlier in his career probably seen that that is more of a test than going to a side like Everton you join Everton you know the shackles very much are off and it, it it's you know, you are shocked. I think everyone Evertonian shocked by. I mean, first of all, I had to do, you think, he's, do you think he's changing the way in which Evertonians themselves think about the game. Absolutely,
0: because it, it does feel as though you know there was. I, I spoke to Peter Hooten yesterday. I was lucky to speak to Peter, and Peter said he was in. The, he was in the Everton main stand, and he said at half time, no one was moaning. No. He said at half time, everyone was you're playing really well. here it's going to come forward, etc., etc. And he said, yeah. you know, he sat in the Everton end for or not for years, and normally in years gone by, that would have been loads. Of, you know, they'd been moaning, they'd have been griping. Mm. said he said everyone was like, yeah, come on, we can do this. This is you know, the, and there seemed to
1: be. A sense of enjoyment. Yeah, it's astounding how, how rapidly it's changed O'Neill. because you know, a hard back to that West Brom game and we drew doing 0 at home and the way it moans then, but because we weren't used to this style of football, we weren't used to how we played this. And it is so invigorating when you see a manager make a change like Leighton Baines gets injured. That would have been the end of the world. For Everton Demoise, that would have been the end of the world earlier this season. Yeah. Leighton Baines goes off, he puts in exciting new centre half on uh, and puts Dale sorry, put Dale Faye on for him. That's just madness compared to what we've been used to for the Years, I'm, I'm I'm further, you know, and it, there is a massive change in mentality from supporters. And that was tactical
0: as well. I thought that was really interesting when Barry came on because Barry effectively didn't play for at least ten minutes while Everton. Well, it was the game was at two-one. Barry didn't play uh, left back. He played almost like a left-hand side defensive midfielder, yeah. like he was pushing Everton up, not with the way in which Baines does with the the presence and the whip and the verve, but instead it was just simply through constantly being this available option. I think that's why Liverpool felt for two mm. reasons to take Joe Allen off, but got got Moses on just simply to say to to Barry, you can't stand there with impunity. We're not yeah. going to stand for you standing there. We're going to demand that you drop 10 yards. Because Barry went there and was trying to effectively do a lot of what he was doing anyway at holding midfield. And again, in years gone by, and I think we all know mm. managers, very successful managers I hasten to add, but they were quite rigid. They wouldn't have allowed yeah. this idea that that lad now goes and sp- goes and stands effectively you know, uh, 20, uh, 15 yards further forward on the angle. Mm. He goes and plays left-back. Yeah, well,
1: it, I mean, if, if Barry moving to that left-hand side or dropping to left-back was one nil to Everton, the equaliser was very much putting Moses there to pin him back, and that ultimately led to the equaliser, didn't it, from that side. Uh, I, I was worried initially when Moses came on. I thought, this lad's just going to skin him for pace here. He did get in a couple of times on that right-hand side. Liverpool's right, obviously. Um, but Gareth Barry, I mean, he's no, no stranger to left-back. I mean, when Baines got injured, the, th- the initial thought was, why why are we putting Barry there? And you think, well, hang on, the lad's played half of his career at left-back, yeah. in his initial days with Villa. That wasn't a problem. It was, it was just the pace. It was
0: indeed just the pace. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go with the pace tonight. This is City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game. Don't go anywhere after this. We're going to talk about it slightly more from a Liverpoolian perspective. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game. City Talk 105.9. We're mooching along here. We've talked predominantly about Everton in part one, uh, about how impressive they were in key areas of the pitch. I thought Liverpool were... Odd, Dave. We've yes. said that the whole game was odd. I thought Liverpool's performance was mostly odd. Um, it, the selection was clearly the sort of shape the manager wants to play in these sorts of games, I think it's fair to say. He's somewhat uh, confused, I think, with with, with with Sturridge Suarez in terms of, you know, it's in, in big games you tend to play one up front. I think it's difficult to to make four work in the middle and not five. Um, so we got to play what he wanted to play, but it's... Liverpool, I thought, were they were a bit <clears throat> a bit shell shocked by the early goal. I think there's also a point to be made about Coutinho and how he seems to struggle a little bit in tight games, despite mm. the fact that he, he he put the ball in the back of the net with the early goal. You know, it's it still doesn't seem quite right as a balance there. I think I think that there's there's still a little bit of work to be done. But the whole point of the entirety of Liverpool's performance is that there's real verve about this Brendan Rodgers Liverpool side, and it's ostensibly. Reflected in the sheer footballing charisma of Luis Suarez.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue with that. As as difficult as it is to talk about and praise him, but um, you know, he, he, he ceases to amaze you really. And, and I know a lot of Blues listen to this. will be saying that I'm playing to your tune effectively, but I'm honestly not. I, I love I love watching him taking any any you know prejudice out of it i love watching him as a footballer because i think he he's fantastic and what you see in games from that for him you know it laughed i made me laugh when he was getting booed more when after Morales lunges in on him yeah. Because that is the thing that makes him better. That, I just don't get it. It's, do you know what it reminds well, he's, he's, me of? Do you ever used to watch the wrestling when you were a kid? Yeah, so he's, he's, do you know what, what I mean? Yeah. You, when, you, when you're like, you'd be, you'd be cheering for the wrestler you like, but you knew he was going to get sucker punched in the end, and you knew he was going to lose. It felt like that. It always feels like that with him. That free kick comes, and I was I was sitting in in the studio with Carlos, our producer, and I was sitting there and I said don't have a wall for this free kick, do not have a wall, it'll play into his hands. And funnily enough, I was listening to Charlie Adam, of all people, a couple of weeks ago saying, goalkeepers need to stop having walls on a certain distance for a free kick. And I thought that was probably the optimum distance. Yeah. The way he hits that ball around that wall, it, the, the wall obviously helps him. It's, a, it's an aid for him yeah, in that instance. And you just know he can do it and you know he's going to pull it off. And it's just, I wish you could get inside my head for the moment when he does it because it's that feeling of, oh my God, I'm going to explode. I can't stand this lad. But you've just got to say that's just quality. I think that's that. When we got the free kick, I was very, very. I just went, he scored there. (laughs) Like, it was just, you know, he scored there. Match of the day commentary was actually really good. I'm not sure if it was, I think it might have been Steve Wilson who commentated on it on Match of the Day. And he just said, eight Premier League goals for Luis Suarez, nine. Yeah. And that was it. And and that sort of epitomised the whole moment Yeah, because it was it was it, it was it, it was just a, it was a gunshot to the heart. It was, it was just just curiously
0: horrible. for a yeah it was curiously run of the mill for a thirty yard curl free kick into the bottom corner. Like it almost just felt like, well <sighs> this is in like it was a yeah. pen like it was a yeah like it was a pen. Yeah. I was just like you know this is in And then he loved his little his little opportunity to give a bit of a shush mm-hmm. out. I thought that was noticeable. He had a little bit of a shush and he was yeah he's ruthless. Yeah. And I think he I think he the big thing I'm getting from him at the minute and it's very very odd given everything that's gone on the summer is he. Seems to be genuinely enjoying himself. I understand one of the reasons why he's now openly laughing at refereeing decisions is he knows that he can't get booked for it. But he still gets, he's still getting to make his point a little bit. But it also seems like, you know, like he's almost completely now on board with the role of the bad guy wrestler, like sitting on the advertising hoardings after he misses the header. You know, that sort of, and that's. I think it's a team game. I think anyway. I, you know, people say the characters have gone out of the game now, but I don't think the characters were ever really there as much as we 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 ascribe it because it was, you know, it's very much a team game and it's difficult for for an individual to have genuine charisma in that context but the extent to which he does he's got much more of it than say cristiano ronaldo who just you know who's a bit of a dirt, a bit mm. of a black hole really you know he he really is in that sort of he's just got that absolute unrivalled enjoyment for the game and the game itself and for all aspects of the game and for the fact that it is a game, I think, like, he plays it like it's a matter of life and death, but he fundamentally still understands it's a game at heart. Yeah. And I think that's sort of what winds people up a little bit, I think, you know, in in the way in which people don't like, you know, players who try to bend the rules and push the rules and all that sort of stuff. Suarez... Even when, and I don't want to talk about it from a refereeing perspective because I think it's dull, but even when the Morales tackle comes in, other players would have sulked. Other players would have really got, in, got into the referee after he went off, would have been pointing at the stud marks repeatedly all the way through the rest of the game. Suarez so sort of goes, well, getting booted up in the air like that's part of the game for me. And that's something which I think is quite, you know, he rides around on the floor and all that sort of stuff, but he was genuinely hurt. I think it's something which is almost, it's oddly refreshing, like he sees it all, all of it, him handballing, him diving, lads booting him, mm-hmm. he sees it all as part of the same thing. There's no difference in his head between me doing that and them doing this, and I'm sort of alright with that because we're playing footy, yeah. and isn't it great to play footy? And it's just such a, and the big thing, and I'm going I'm to bang on about this for a while... And I don't sort of, you know, I don't like playing the mercy Pride cards or any of that. I think it can be a bit trite. But I think the big thing to take from the game was, you're paying 50 quid a week for this. How fantastic was that? And a lot of the coverage subsequently, you know, I think people, the looking for the, um, the, people look for the, the bits of needle or are looking for the bits of, um, you know, for, for controversial incidents. Obviously, it's a red card, but it's fine. We can just say that and move on. Yeah. The referee's just got something wrong and that's fine because referees get something wrong all the time. You know, they've got to work out what they're doing about it in the long run, but I'm not that bothered. Mm. You know what I mean? I really can't be bothered getting annoyed by it because, you know, I, I even when I you know, spend my money, I spend, you work it out, I spend probably over £1,000 a year all in on tickets, on travel. Yeah, you worked it out at two, Joel's here. Work, Joel's worked it out at two. You know, on tickets, on travel, on your drink money, on everything that goes on around football, you're spending more money than you should be spending. But then you get 90 minutes like that, and whether you're in the grounds or not in the grounds, you've got that 90 minutes that's just wrecked your head, and Suarez is a massive part of that, I think, yeah, Yeah, your head explodes, it explodes with with the wondrousness of this thing, and we're so lucky to have it in our lives, so, for once, I just, you know, I I didn't want to do the referee... I almost, while I think Liverpool have got big problems at centre-back while I still think there's issues around the central midfield I almost feel like, you know, we, we you don't want to accentuate that you just want to say,
1: oh yes I, I think there's a lot of credence in the points I heard you and, and I think more to the point it was Gibbo uh, in pre-season I think you come out with, with something when you were sort of assessing what was to come for Liverpool this season and it was sort of a venture into the unknown given what had gone on last season under Rodgers and the, the period said, you know what, we'll just enjoy it I'd rather beat someone 12 and at home than go away and you know get a point at United or something like that, something along those lines it was, and uh, I can see the enjoyment in it, and Suarez very much epitomises that. If, I mean, the the point that I've always made about Suarez, and I've had a lot of sticks from Blues over this. If he if he if you if he plays for your team, you're made up with him more than. You could ever th- ever fathom with a footballer, and going back to the wrestling analogies, it reminds me of back in the back in the day Vince McMahon as the leader of the corporation. <laughs> you know, he really does. He really because you, you absolutely Neil. I can't stand him. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I really cannot stand him. But I'd probably still pay to watch him.
0: Yeah, and that's the that's the most the most astonishing thing about yeah. him. And this is where you know there was a lot of you know after all what, the couple on there was a lot of Liverpool supporters who were saying things like, well, I don't want to see him play for us now, and he's burnt a lot of bridges as far as I'm concerned. Just look at him. Yeah. Just look at his face. Look how much he just enjoys. Look at his reaction to Joe Allen's miss. Yeah. The best thing about the, about Joe Allen's miss is Luis Suarez. It just it's like it's like it does something to Louis Suarez internally that he just can't fathom. Mm. How on earth have you missed that? You should he shouldn't have squared it to him by the way, he was offside. Yeah. But how on earth have you but obviously Suarez doesn't appreciate that sort of thing? How on earth have you missed that? How could you do that to me? How could you do yeah. that to us? What do I do now? Oh my god. And he completely explodes like a supporter, what? All the other players they've all got their hands on their head and they look disappointed and all this sort of stuff. Suarez acts like he's in the fourth row with yeah. a paddock at Goodison That's what he acts like. That's his respect. Response. He, was doing, he yeah. was
1: doing the exact same thing when Everton went three-two up. I think Liverpool got a corner. It was wasted. Went out for a goal kick, I think, and he did exactly the same thing because he ran out himself to retrieve the ball yeah. from the park end. And you could see in his face, he was like, "That was what a Liverpool fan would look like yeah. sitting in the stand." He had that look about him. It's very—I <laughs> I, don't—you can't buy that sort of stuff, really. That—that it's—it's his character, isn't it? It's just pure character. But on the other side of this, and I, I, I want to talk about these two players. I want to talk about these two players, particularly
0: uh, in, in the context of the football match, is. Flanagan, because Flanagan is a Liverpool lad, he knows exactly what it is, etc, etc, all the cliched stuff, and yet I thought of all the Liverpool players, it was Flanagan who kept his head best. I thought of all the Liverpool players, it was Flanagan who managed to think his way through the football match. Everyone else got caught up in stuff, and yet Flanagan does the absolute opposite of what we've just said about Suarez there. Flanagan played like like an established pro on the pitch, not like a fan, like an established pro. Yeah, he whacked a couple of big tackles in, but he's very much a footballer who needs to think his way through a football match. He was sweeping up behind his defenders. He's got this issue, Flanagan, and I think it's going to be the issue that stops him from being a a top-level player, uh, which is a shame well, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword, the issue. The issue is that he's not, he's not four inches taller, and part of that is because his pace on the turn's not great. You saw it a couple mm-hmm. of times in the first half, especially Merales just walked past him. When he stood him up and got him the right way, there was nothing Flanagan could do to stop him mm-hmm. other than foul him. And that's going to be problematic for the lad. because I think he, he, he's look, he looks now, and I think it's testament to Rodgers, and it's also testament to Flanagan's work that he's must have been putting in. But he looks like he's got everything else. He reads the game really well, he's got a nice touch, he's happy to find, pop the ball around. He knows his own weaknesses in that you look to the second half and he was trying to get at Morales as early as possible, don't let him start going at me, don't let him start running at me. But I think that ultimately the concern is that basically he's ultimately a centre-half who's four or five inches too short. And that would be my worry for him.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. That, that, that's the... I look at him as a player, but what I also think that goes against him is we love a good local lad in this city. And I, I almost think that that is put first and foremost above any other talent. Uh, for instance, Tony Hibbert springs to mind. Mm. You know, I and, know and we've had a laugh and a joke about Tony Hibbert. Everton fans have Liverpool fans have been a fantastic servant to Everton. And he's a really good right back on his day, Tony Hibbert. The first thing is, he's a scouser, he's a local lad. And I think that sort of is something of a detriment to Flanagan because the first thing, and, and Sangy, I'll tell you as well, because he's an agent for local lads in the city, the first thing you talk about is, oh, you say John Flanagan, he's a local lad, he'll wear his heart on his sleeve. All of those attributes that come along with that, like Carragher, almost to an extent... I think a player has to outgrow that in this city. Yeah, pretty much the same way Gallagher did. Yeah, become obviously a top-class centre-half. That's the thing you question with Flanagan, like you say, the lack of height, pace on the turn, things like that. That's uh, somewhat of an uphill battle, I think, for someone who's local, because that is the first thing you look at. You think, good honest bro, well, spearing maybe to the same extent. Well,
0: so that sparring issue again? Was, was was physical? But I think that if there's one player Flanagan should model his game on it, it's not Carragher. I think he needs to look at Alvaro Abaloa. Yeah, I think that that's very much a better comparison point for him. In that Abaloa Abel- has ended up playing for Spain, he's ended up playing for Real Madrid, and he's not. He's not a, a modern right-back. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a solid, steady right-back who very much thinks his way through football matches. Mm. And I think that if Flanagan can, can, can adopt that sort of position, then there'll be a place for him. I think, though, that my worry already... Is the idea that he could get himself targeted a little bit Because he can be stood up and he can be gone past mm. And once he's gone past, he's completely out the game There's no recovery pace there at all But as long as he keeps thinking his way through these matches And I thought that was really impressive, second half I thought, second half And it is it is escaping the local And this is the thing, this is why I'd rather talk about this You're right to say that, we shouldn't say Well he wears his heart on his sleeve Because that's the one thing he didn't do He yeah, didn't wear his heart absolutely. on his sleeve He yeah. very much played f- played the football match with his brain Absolutely top of the pile That was the most important thing yeah. Yeah. It was a performance of genuine intelligence, intelligence around how to get the best out of his own performance against his own weaknesses, against a lad who's able to beat most fullbacks in this country one on one. And he worked it out, and he worked it out. And the thing we've said before on this show, Dave, and I love it. The thing I love, and we all love, is watching footballers work things out on the mm-hmm. pitch. And I think that was, you know, for for the age, of the lads, Flanagan worked a lot out on the pitch there. And I think as long as he keeps doing that, and maybe if, whatever it is you can do to help a lad a little bit physically, help him be. Stronger on the turn. If the, you know if Liverpool's coaching staff can be doing that whilst they're still bringing this technical aspect along, then you know it's 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 really promising for them.
1: Unbelievable level of maturity as well. I think in a game like that because huge. You know, you've got a lot of young players on the pitch. Barkley, we've who we've already touched on. Uh, you know you've got someone like John Flanagan. Even when and I think I spotted it when Morales makes that lunge on Suarez, he looked like the calm and influence around yeah. the players that were gathering around the referee. He looked like almost like listen, lad, let's let's just calm down here. Uh, Fantastic! I I I was really I, again as the local lad team, It, it was good. it's great to watch someone like that, and I love it, thinking footballer like you say it is something we all love to see. It, someone who not necessarily the greatest technical ability or physical ability, you know, but that tends to not matter if you if you're clever about it. If you've got a bit of wit about you, and he certainly looked like he did because I mean I, I think he's probably in Liverpool's top three players on the day.
0: Indeed, indeed. This is City Talk 105.9. This is All In The Game. Coming back, we're going to talk about, well, that league table of ours, it yet again has far, 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 far more questions than answers. It's All In The Game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. Who's going to win the league? Chelsea. Chelsea? Yeah. Chelsea are going to win the league. City. Uh, Joel Joel Richards is in here. He's just said to me City. Uh Jake, do you wanna give me some sort of suggestion from the back who's gonna win the league? Can't hear you. It's great radio this year. He Jake. said Chelsea as he well. He said Chelsea as well, okay. We lip we we lip read it in the end. In the end there. Um Who are you going for? I think Liverpool. <laughs> um creed to it every week though, I've got to say. Um I just think it's um I think it's crazy stuff to be brutally honest with you. I, I, I'm not someone who likes to see managers get bulleted, but I don't know, I think Fias Bowers uh, is getting a nice ride with it at the uh, minute. Do you know
1: what, he's the, I, I liked him up until about three weeks ago when he started doing. heading, well, oh, oh, where uh, Lloris got kicked by Lukaku. That was the start of the madness, when he's saying it's deliberate and all this rubbish. I think Pardew come out and said something after Newcastle beat them at home and said, Oh, you know, the, the Europa League's tough, it's tough to come back from uh, playing in the Europa and then playing on the Sunday. Fias Bowers totally ripped him apart, and he was actually being nice about it. Yeah. I think he's sort of, uh, he looks like a man who's sort of Starting to lose the plot. A man I mean, on the edge. There was the comment about the fans as well.
0: A man on the edge and getting beat 6-0 away from home. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're going. Uh, getting beat 6-0 away from home I think is yeah. hugely questionable if you're meant to be a side of any serious pretensions in there. Uh, Newcastle are quietly easing the way up the table. Point behind us, can you believe four that? Be- only four behind Liverpool. It's, uh, they, that's sort of come from nowhere. It's indicative of the fact that no one's putting any run- runs or results together. Yeah. Everyone stops and starts and stops and starts. And Now you've got David Moyes who's unbeaten in 11, by the way. Think yeah. about this, he's unbeaten in 11. <laughs> And United are still doing united things. Um, I think, you know, it's fascinating to me. Well, not united things, more accurately, Moysey and things. Um, you know, uh, David Moys, late equaliser against him, away from home, in a tight game. Uh, David Moys, ladies and gentlemen, probably worthy of a round of applause. Still doing the business, if you're David Moys And saying as well, you know, Cardiff's a tough place to go. It's a tough place to go, Dave. It's yeah. a tough place to go yeah. off the back of an international week. He'd have took the draw before a ball was kicked. Yeah. yeah, all right. Um, the,
1: the idiocracy again this week was with, with more of his uh, post-match comments. I heard him come out and say that Rooney's wasn't even a yellow card. Of course, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I think he's um, Moyes is is,
0: is is still fascinating us here, here on All in the Game. Next Sunday, Tottenham play Manchester United, Hull play Liverpool, Chelsea play Southampton. Um, this is the thing, Dave, and this is why no one can get any momentum up every single weekend. There's two or three, four or five, because there's now nine sides you'd say you were sort of who, who've created a little bit of a breakaway. Yeah,
1: four points between second and ninth. Yeah. Four
0: points between second and ninth, but five points between ninth and tenth. There's now nine sides that are all sort of in and around this top end. They are therefore all playing each other every week and everything. And I don't believe, whilst Cardiff have took points off United, I don't believe that these sides are capable, these sides loading the table, should be capable of getting any sort of consistent mm. results against these better sides. But the other side of this is, all of this top nine are very, very capable of taking points off each other.
1: Yeah, they are. And I was only watching Saturday afternoon after the derby had finished, after everything had calmed down. I was looking at the telly of the fixtures and I thought, do you know what this feels like? The rest of the league is a different league. It's like the championship. Yeah. The games, with the exception of Arsenal-Southampton, I think we have Fulham, Stoke, uh, all due respect to Swansea, you, I think will come good as a decent top ten side. Swansea will we'll finish top ten. Yeah. Um, you know, I looked and I thought, well, What's going on here? This isn't the Premier League. And it very much feels that way. It feels like it's it's like the Scottish League where it separates into two. It feels like it's done that already in this in this league this season. But Newcastle, four points off second, it, it just shows you, you know, it's very much up for grabs. And we've got Stoke this weekend. Yes. Which is a break from those fixes that you mentioned. But then we go to Man United on the Wednesday. And then we've got Arsenal on the Sunday, so it, it, I it's well think Martinez
0: is getting points at Old Trafford. Oh. To
1: at least a point, at least a point. Uh, this is what I, I I give up Champions League football <laughs> if we beat them then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think well if you, get, if you if you do beat them then it makes them more like you'll get Champions yeah, League right. football. I think it's I think that the thing about Liverpool and Everton is that both of those sides are capable of getting more than seventy points this season. They each need a bit of luck in different ways, um, but I think that they're both capable of breaking seventy points. The the points totals they've got to this stage suggest that anyway. They just keep going at those rates, and both of them will break seventy points. Uh, I I think it's. I think it's fascinating. I think, ultimately, I think that it's going to be. You know, it's going to remain nip and tuck. Now I don't quite see when it stops being unless City put the Reds together and start getting results away from home. Four points away from home. Only four points away from home so far, but 26 goals scored in six games at home, uh, which means they're averaging more than four, four goals a game at home, which is just mind-boggling. Only two conceded as well. I think it's spectacular stuff. I think, you know, it's the opportunities there for Liverpool now before they go to Tottenham Hotspur to really put the hammer down. I said I, be, I was saying all week, uh, and I said it on the Anfield Wrap as well, that Hull is actually, in a sense, a bigger game than Everton. But if Liverpool can keep doing what Liverpool have been doing, Liverpool have played six sides in the bottom ten. From West Brom down to Sunderland, Liverpool have played six sides, and they've won all six. All six of those games. So if Liverpool can turn that over the next three games into nine from nine, uh, from 11th right the way down to uh, to 20th before they play Cardiff, if they can turn that out to nine from nine before they go to Tottenham Hotspur, then Liverpool will be... A, a, at worst in second, and may even when they go to the top white heart lane, be top of the league or, or very close to it, and I think that 's fascinating because all you 've got and this is the thing you know I keep saying this football teams become about something, yeah. and if Liverpool this season can remain being about beaten and absolutely putting to the sword the bottom ten, then you know, that, that, you know you win nineteen out of twenty of those games to fifty seven points
1: yeah i I made with, in reference to what you said on friday uh, I was making the same point actually while the Derby was being played out the uh, you know, we go and play Stoke for the same three points the following week. That's the, you know this Stoke game on Saturday, completely it's at home massive, as well. It's massive, Neil, because Liverpool. Like, we've we've mu- much documented that you've swept aside the poorer sides in this league. Evan haven't quite done that this season, and you know the week before against Palace was one big disappointment. So, you know you look at the context of Evan's season; we haven't won in three now. Well,
0: some, well yeah, but the other side of that is you know you, if you beat Stoke, then one of Tottenham and Man United are dropping points. One of Chelsea and Southampton yeah. are dropping points, and realistically, one of the other top eight, top nine sides will drop points. So suddenly, there if you win and they all drop points, then th- again yeah. you know it's it, it's going to be shifting sands. It is about certainly these home games. You know, beating Stoke is enormous for Martinez. I think.
1: Yeah, it is. It's huge, and you know, looking at it, looking at the month ahead as well, the big games pile up. Both Everton and Liverpool. And it's just going to be fascinating I think we're sitting in on Boxing Day We'll have a really good clear picture of what's going to happen I, I think Liverpool, minimum Even even if you don't take the points total That you're probably expecting And probably will happen Liverpool are still going to be inside that top four The way Everton are playing You're probably thinking they're going to be in touch with the top four So it's fascinating going into Christmas I think it is I think it's uh, I think it's one of the most
0: exciting league seasons in years I don't actually think that the quality is necessarily there And that's one of the reasons why I think I understand why people get a little bit Almost sniffy at Liverpool's slight lack of control uh, but we'd take that approach. derby over any other game, wouldn't we? And of course we would. And a p- part of that's the approach, because if you keep playing like that and you keep having that sort of approach, then most, against the majority of teams in this league, you will put them to the sword, because they can't handle all that attacking talent. They can't handle all that yeah. movement. So what do you do? Do you compromise for one week every now and again, or do you instead just commit to this thing that you're doing and get as good at that as is humanly possible? What a week, what a Merseyside derby. I think it's a, it is indeed hands across the city, Dave. Um, Evan are going to beat Stoke, aren't they? Yeah, they're comfortably, yeah. Excellent stuff. Liverpool are going to go to Hull. It's going to be fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been All in the Game. Hope you've enjoyed your derby. We've got a kick on from here, though. All of us have got a kick on from here.
1: It's All in the Game on City Talk 105.9.